Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff. What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of Take It to the Tips. I'm your host, Matt, as always, because I'm the only one. Um, so last time was the first episode. We dove into uh, kind of the history of how <clears throat> the game has kind of gotten to this evolutionized point. Um, the main players in the game, Gary Player, uh, Tiger Woods, a couple other people in between. Leading all the way up to today's game, Bryson DeChambeau, um, and all the other guys that are just striping the ball right now. Um, <clears throat> so if you didn't listen to that episode, go back, take a listen to it. Um, it'll it'll lead you into this episode. So diving right into part two, before we get there, make sure you follow me on all of my numerous social media uh, accounts as we get this golf thing going. So I'm on Instagram at Doc Marags Golf. I'm on Facebook at DM Golf, and then on Twitter at Doc Marags. Um, I'm being told I should make a TikTok, but I don't know. I don't like TikTok. I just I don't like it. But I'll probably just do it because I have no spine. So TikTok coming out probably Doc Marags. I don't know. <clears throat> but go subscribe there. Oh, also YouTube, check that out as well. Uh, just starting to come out with all the content that I'm doing. So check it out there. Um, so let's dive into the part two of this episode. So we'll be diving into the equipment re- uh, evolution, the responses and what's going on now and then what's next. So let's dive right into it. <clears throat> so looking right at the evolution of the equipment, so we'll go club first and then we'll do the ball. So until about like 1930, uh, they're using hickory sticks with uh, persimmon heads, which isn't, isn't a great way to play uh, nowadays. I mean, obviously it took a lot of skill. You weren't hitting it far back in the day. It's, it's more of a personal game at that point. Uh, you're not smashing one miles to the right and your buddy's not smashing one miles to the left it's more of a personal game you're walking with each other you're not hitting it super far um and it's good uh it's good cart golf as you'd say in these days even though they didn't use carts back then either so then in around 1930 steel shafts were introduced and they immediately become the standard uh and then hickory sticks or the hickory shafts essentially become novelty clubs uh, depending on where you go, what kind of clubs you go to, you could actually rent hickory sticks and play with those, which good luck. I mean, I haven't used them, but I can't imagine how bad I am with, I'm like a 12 point something handicap with maximized equipment. I don't know what would happen if I use hickory sticks. But yeah, they're essentially novelty clubs these days. Steel shafts, they took over for that point. So it was the steel shafts and the persimmon heads. Until about 1979, when Taylor Made created the Steelhead Woods. So, previously drivers and fairway woods, they're initially just called kind of woods because they were wooden. Um, 
but the persimmon heads would become obsolete with the introduction of the steelhead woods. So now um, we can just call them fairway metals at this point, and then that's what it looks like up until what we have today, even though there's things like carbon fiber and graphite and yada, yada, yada. Late 70s, early 80s was when the steel wood, um, steelhead woods really came into being, and TaylorMade was the first ones to do that. Then in 1991, uh, Callaway comes out with the Big Bertha. So we hear a lot of these names still today. Uh, Big Bertha is still a very well-known club, very popular. And this starts the trend towards bigger and bigger and bigger driver heads until we get to the point where today you can't really miss a ball uh, unless you're really bad. So it's still possible. But early 90s is when Callaway came out with the Big Bertha. And then the race to big driver heads began, limiting it at eventually 460cc driver head limit, which we're at right now. Um, follow that. And then in the mid-90s, the next shaft transformation was introduced. So at that point was the introduction of the graphite shafts. So they were thought to be a gimmick until they started winning a lot. And then obviously the graphite took over in the professional game. Now, nowadays you can get steel and um, graphite shafts. They're pretty common. I feel like mostly in the pro game, it's graphite shafts just because they're lighter, uh, better swing speed, better club head speed, all that stuff. They're all about the analytics, but I'm pretty sure I have steel head, not steel head, steel shafts currently in my set um, of Cobra F8s. I'll eventually do a what's in the bag just to let you guys know what I'm working with, but I'm still rocking steel heads, not steel heads, steel shafts. Um, yeah, so nowadays very common to have both, but graphite was initially introduced in the mid-90s and really uh, took hold on the tour as well as it is today. And then eventually, so this all leads up to what's going on today. So the driver heads, like I said, 460cc limit. Anybody can hit a driver. They're, they're the most forgiving club in the bag, essentially. So if you if you need to hit something off a tee you're, and you're kind of in between clubs, you don't want to pound a driver that's going to go long, but you also don't want to miss hit like a wood, you're probably just better off doing a choked up driver and just smacking it down the fairway a little bit, uh, especially if your margin for error isn't going to be as great with the driver since you're not giving it a full swing. Most likely you're going to be totally fine. You're going to get good distance out of it and you're going to be fine because it's hard to really mess that up. Uh, additionally, the shafts have continued to get lighter, but they're also still very firm. So you can get these very light shafts and they're still going to give you that extra stiff uh, shaft that you need when you have a, a greater swing speed. So R&D is huge at this point. Uh, they're emphasizing physics, aerodynamics, all this stuff to help everyday players as well as the pros play as good as possible. Like measurements down to exact millimeter to ensure best launch angle, better lie angle, all of that stuff to make sure for the most effective player fit. 
introduction of hybrids as well to make things easier for high handicappers or older players to make sure you can still have the same kind of fun as anybody else and really focusing on allowing you to get that ball in the air. So even though a lot of their gear is toward the professionals and driven by the professionals as they use the pros to market a lot of their gear, whether it be the clubs, the balls, all that stuff, they are still making plenty of game improvement stuff for the low, mid, high handicappers that uh, helps everybody helps everybody enjoy the game of golf. And so with all this stuff, people aren't any longer like grabbing clubs, just cutting them down and saying, here, go try it out. They've got these TrackMan and other video analytics stuff that can help um, with club fitting and just optimizing optimizing the gear for the swing, essentially, instead of working the swing around whatever gear you have, if that makes sense. And we'll get into that a little bit later with some of the new technology that is out these days. Next, we'll dive into the ball. So we just did all the clubs. And this is a very, like, 30,000-foot superficial view. These first, Both of these first two episodes are, and we're going to get deeper into a lot of the stuff, like I said in the last episode. But the first two are an intro of the evolution of golf and how we got to the point where we're at now. So 30,000-foot view. Eventually, I will break it down further. So diving into the ball, like I said, up until about the 60s, golf balls were, for lack of a better term, shit. Um, didn't have dimples for quite a while. They were just essentially a solid ball that you're hitting around. They weren't created, um, they weren't mass produced either. So you weren't even getting the same, you weren't really getting the same feel and performance from ball to ball. You never really knew what you were going to get. So you'd be playing stuff on the, the practice tee and whatever you're getting with your balls, then you had to take out on the course instead of playing to whatever you wanted to based on how your swing was that day, you kind of had to use what the equipment was giving you, um, giving it to you that day, especially the ball, because that's what you're hitting and what you have to work around. Uh, eventually they started to put like tree sap and other innards in to assist with like distance and spin, but still weren't that great. Finally in the sixties, they had like a wound core that was introduced and this did allow them to, more uniformly mass produced golf balls which improved the consistency of the game and consistency of pros and amateurs alike just to give you a better feel and more like i said just better consistency from ball to ball because especially with amateurs you're losing a lot of balls as plenty of you plenty of you know and i know as well then in the year 2000 y2k comes the Mac Daddy of them all. The Pro V1 is introduced. So multi-layer cover with a, a solid core ability to improve both distance and also help you control spin. And the Pro V1 and other golf balls have just continued to progress to the point um, now of being matched with individuals to fit their swing and flight path. So you get the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X. Uh, can never remember which is which but one is more for a higher spin player and the other is for not as high a spin player just to optimize and it's just based off of your swing and how um 
your spin rate of your clubs and your trajectory as well. So they can even match these crazy, insane R&D to the max golf balls to fit your swing as well. So that also leads us right back to TrackMan. So we're getting right into fitting and swing analysis. Again, this is at a very 30,000 foot view. As I said previously, the players kind of just used to mess around with whatever clubs they had, especially amateurs. You would get your clubs cut down, you'd have hand-me-down clubs, and you had to work your swing around the equipment that you have, which wasn't the most optimal thing to do, obviously. Um, it reinforced a ton of bad habits and probably bad habits that you could never really break, especially if you didn't have money to uh, have lessons. Then... Um, so players, the only people that used to get fitted were players that played a lot of golf and they thought that they were deserving of getting fitted. There was this whole myth that, hey, I suck at golf. Why would I spend this money to get fitted for clubs when I'm awful? When realistically, the saying should really be the other way around as in, hey, I'm bad. I should get fitted so I can have the most optimized clubs and gear to work with my swing so I can have the most fun and play the best golf that I possibly can because I'm not great right now and I don't want to reinforce bad habits and I want my gear to to work with me instead of working against me, essentially. So no more incorrect fitting clubs, no more um, guys using bl just hand-me-down blades when they are really really more appropriate for like deep cavity backs or just general game improvement irons. Now we have all of this, all of this data with these swing analyses and professional fitters can break down literally anything to ensure that your clubs fit you as a player. And this works for the pros as well. So they can, so say they're going to a high altitude place, like they're going to Mexico or something. Um, they can bring out the track man and they can start hitting clubs on the practice range and you learn, okay, this is how far I'm hitting my seven iron today with the altitude. This is how far I'm hitting my driver. This is what the spin rates are looking like. And you can, in 15 minutes, you can have a range session, write down your notes, and then you know your, your clubs for the day and for that week. So same thing with amateurs, you're going to a, tour professional or just a professional fitter and they're going to break this down with you and see how you're hitting and what your launch angle looks like uh what the spin rate is what if you're hitting it inside out swing or um outside in and then what's your uh what's your path to the ball is it a right are you coming in left and then they can match all of this up help you with your swing a little bit let you know are you hitting a draw are you set up to hit a fade all of this stuff and then maximize all of it, throw all that data into whatever they use to analyze it and then spits out the optimal gear for you, whether it be PXG. I don't know why that came to my head first. Um, PXG, TaylorMade, Callaway, Titleist, whoever, uh, just not Nike anymore. Disappointing. But... Yeah, they can spit all this information out, throw the optimal clubs at you, you buy it, you're going to be playing better probably immediately, honestly. Uh, might need a couple 
couple weeks to figure it out, maybe a lesson or two, just to see what you're doing wrong, get out of those bad habits. But then you're doing pretty, you're going to be, you should be doing pretty good after that. So it, all this new gear, TrackMan, um, slow-mo video analysis, which up until recently, not recently, but in the 2000s wasn't really a thing. Like you couldn't go on computers, do slow-mo video, draw lines to to see where your face's impact, where your body's at, all that kind of stuff, which seems a given at this point, but it wasn't all here until this millennia. And now it can maximize every maximize the abilities of every player in the world from a 30 handicap to Dustin Johnson. So it's crazy what this has allowed us to do. Um, but now there is all of, we're at like a, we're at an inflection point in the game of golf, it seems. So all of this has definitely caused some uproar, um, over the game kind of being down to like a bomb and gouge. So you're hitting driver specifically Bryson and Bryson is the one that really revitalized this debate. So Bryson's going to pound the ball, I don't know, 5,000 yards and then okay, like 350 yards. And then he's going to, he's going to cut the corner of whatever he's doing. He has that long drive and then it's a wedge into the green. So he's got a scoring club in his hand. Even if he's in the rough, he can hit it to a height that he's still going to be able to control, even if it's out of the rough and relatively thick rough, versus a player who is well back and has a longer iron in where you can't control the speed as well. Even if you're in the fairway, you can't control it as well as a I don't know, sand wedge or pitching wedge out of the rough versus seven iron from the fairway. Just that angle of descent and the loft you're going to get. Um, and the height of the ball, that apex, you are... If you're Bryson, you're just set up to score more. And that's how it is. So we have this debate. The USGA and the RNA has come out with their potential, potential changes. There could be a total rollback. There can be a bifurcation where tours will be, the tour players will be playing something else. And then... Um, Amateurs would be playing some of the current stuff and there would just be kind of like two separate lanes of R&D, which, I mean, there kind of already is. There's game improvement stuff and there's, there is like blades and a player's iron essentially. But what there hasn't really been is any bifurcation of the ball. So I think that is something that's definitely interesting. Um, personally... I've been going honestly back and forth about it. I think that I discussed on Twitter, it affects 0.001% of players and courses when you think about it just from a general level, but then you look into it a little bit more and it affects everything. So if, if everybody is hitting it, a little bit further, whether you're an amateur or a pro. You have to take tee boxes back, whether it's your local Muni or it is your local, not your local, or a PJ Tour event. Tee boxes are going back. <clears throat> and then 
you have amateurs and then pros, but mostly if we're thinking of it at an amateur level and not that 0.001%. T-box further back, you're hitting more drivers. Worst players are spreading it all over the lot and taking longer to play, which less there's less tee times on a card or on the books for that day, which happens day over day over day, which eventually increases your rate because they're not getting as many rounds in because people are taking too long because they're spreading it all over the place because they have this equipment where they can. So it's just a, it's a crazy cycle for the most part. I feel like if they're going to do a rollback, they should just do a total rollback. So somebody like me, even though I'm not really that great at golf, like I want to be good at golf. So I would, even if they did this bifurcation, I would end up getting gear that the pros are playing and like that kind of ball that even though it's not as forgiving, I want, I know damn well I'm not, I'm not going to play professional golf, but I want to be challenged. And if I know I'm playing things that are easier in my head, I just, I don't like it. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's that just kind of competitive nature in me, but I feel like a lot of players would gravitate towards that. And I mean, we have these gimmicky clubs right now. Um, you have clubs where you can just like hit a button and it hits it for you. So there's gimmicks out there now, but I think, I think a total rollback, if you're going to do it is the way to do it. And no one's going to take your, if this were the last year to do it and with these new clubs, or whatever, it's not going to be, but if this were the last year of all of this stuff going on, they're not going to come and like take your driver at, take your new TaylorMade Sim 2 out of your bag next year. Like there's not going to be any rollback police coming to take your stuff. It's just to help the game of golf as a whole. And I've been back and forth. I've been back and forth like daily since this came out. And it's tough. I mean, realistically, it doesn't affect any of us that much. We're going to play whatever we're told to play, really. Um, Especially amateurs that are focused on the game. And then amateurs that don't care and are just out there to have a good time. They're not going to have any idea what's going on anyway. So might as well do the full rollback. Those amateurs that have no idea what's going on in the golf game anyway and just come out to have a good time. They're going to play whatever they got, whether it's the easier stuff or the new stuff, whatever they find. And then the guys that care, they're going to do the same thing as the pros, most likely play those clubs, play those balls. And I think, I think that's the way to go. I think it's going to help. I think it will help a ton. There's so many nuances to it. It's tough, but I'm, I'm sure I'll dive into this more, but that's just my my opinion right now, honestly, I'm for the rollback. <clears throat> Pros can change easily. Uh, it's I feel like it's most damaging to amateurs that are competitive, really, because they're not the pros. They don't have the same resources, but I'm fine with it. It's not a big deal, uh, especially if I don't. If I buy a new set of clubs and then I have to buy another new set of clubs, I'll be super pissed. But besides that, I don't think it's a huge deal. Um. If it's to save the game of golf and it gets potentially professional players playing on courses they normally wouldn't have and potentially bring more eyeballs to 
to the PGA Tour or any any of the games of golf, whether it be Euro Tour as well, if they can go to more places instead of the same 30 tracks they go to every single year, which is redundant, like the majors are cool, and they switch those around, which is great, except for Augusta, but Augusta is Augusta. So if this rollback can bring more more courses into play, like if they go back to Marion again, that'd be sick. I live in Pennsylvania. I miss the U.S. Open. I live in Northeast Pennsylvania, and I was in Philly for that time, but I missed it. So if they could bring Marion back into play, I'd love to go to Marion and watch that. Um, and any of those courses that have been like phased out essentially because of the distance, if this can bring those back in, I think it honestly bring more viewers to the game of golf because they're seeing something different every week. Even the general fan that can potentially play some of those courses that typically you wouldn't be able to because they're mostly just private PGA set up golf courses. Um, so bringing those back into play just by shortening um, or rolling back the gear, that would be cool. But as I said, this is my preliminary thoughts and I've been waffling back and forth a little bit, but I'm, I think I'm going back towards the uh, rollback area. Um, and this isn't to say that I'm not going to help you. This, the name of this podcast is take it to the tips. I still want you to be able to maximize your performance and hit it as far as you can accurately. I'm just going to give you some of the tools to be able to do that. So whether you're playing the, the easier gear or the harder gear in the future, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the tools and strategies to help you maintain your body, prevent injuries, potentially rehab from injuries if you have any, and then perform while you're playing golf to your maximum capability. So whatever you're using, I'm here to help you. Uh, that's, that's kind of the intro videos, one and two, and then I have an in interview coming up with a Tyler's performance professional. So stay tuned for that as well. And Hey, doesn't matter what you're playing. Still take it to the tips, maximize that performance. I'm here to help you. Thank you for tuning in. Please continue to follow my journey of golf that we're starting here. Um, that I'm starting with myself and I'm starting with you guys. So please subscribe to the podcast, um, to my YouTube channel at DM golf, my Facebook channel, channel at dm golf as well and then twitter at doc Marags, instagram doc Marags golf and then tiktok is coming soon um so follow me <clears throat> stay tuned for next week's show we'll be with a titleist performance institute certified uh physical therapist uh one of my good friends and we will see you then all right Thank you for tuning in. Um, hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next week. Peace. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff.